This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Listeners, thanks for joining us today. And right on the front end, we're going to ask you for three favors. First, be sure to go to our website, vcob.org. Click on that link that says Q&A podcast and submit your question. Second, be sure to share it, share it, share it with a friend, family member, or foe. And third, be sure to go to our iTunes store and rate and review this podcast or any of the other ones that you might be listening to. Amen. All right, Pastor Michael, here's our question. Should I shop at Target? All right, let's set up the context. Yeah, Um, why are we getting this question? Yep. So last year, Target said that it was doing away with gender-based toys Mm -hmm. for toys for boys toys for for girls so here's what they wrote in their own words um quote in the toy aisles will also remove reference to gender including the use of pink blue yellow or green paper on the back walls of our shelves okay so that's one reason why this Mm -hmm. question is being asked before we get to the second reason uh i just want to make a observation I've been in Target as of yesterday. Okay. And their toy aisles are straight up boy, girl, boy, girl. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to be really clear on this, right? So you're they, saying they didn't abide by what they their policy was set to be. Um, I think I think they overstated what they were actually going to do. So did they take off boy and girl from the labels? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, are they reserving the use of these colors in the places where they put these toys? Yes. But are they putting dolls all in one section and army toys all in one section and battle toys all in another section? The answer is yes. Yes. That's what I've observed as well here locally. I have two girls and a boy and my girls all go to the same three sections and my boy goes to the same three sections and they're different. And all of the toys are geared um, definitely to, we'll say, boys or girls Mm -hmm. stereotypically. If they really wanted to get rid of gender issues, they would have mixed um, guns with dolls. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but they didn't. So um, w- w- honestly, what that tells me is that even ge- even Target is acknowledging that there is an impulse inside of a boy to certain kinds of toys that is different than the impulse of a girl to other kinds of toys. Mm-hmm. Girls are more likely to go down these routes, but even the distributors and the, and the toy makers, they're still color coding based on gender. Right. And uh, and so it's interesting. The dolls are generally pink. Um, the kid, young kid toys are generally bright colored and the army toys are generally blue and green and black and red, mm-hmm. you know, so it just, it's interesting how even though Target is trying to avoid it, the toy makers are definitely um, buying into the, to the gender stereotypes, right. if you will, um, in a good way. So, um, so number, number one, um, Target was getting rid of, um, got rid of their gender distinctions and their labeling and how they color code their actual store. Number two, recently Target expanded their bathroom policies. And so they have basically said they're going to allow customers and employees to use restrooms that best relate to one's quote, perceived gender. In other Mm. words, biological males who identify as women can be in the restroom with men uh, or with women and vice versa. So big picture, this is impossible, right? Even as I say this, um, we're going to have listeners who are just going to listen to this because they they want to hear what we're going to say and okay. they already disagree. I mean, mm-hmm. and they're gonna they're gonna want to be mad. And um, some people may want to say you're you're a bigot, narrow minded, or whatever else. And then you have the other side. You have people who um, want to agree with maybe village church's stand, or maybe we don't go far enough. And they're mm-hmm. gonna say you're too liberal or something. I mean, it's this is impossible. So right. I understand that we're 
answering a question that's going to bring us into territory that's going to make someone upset. Mm-hmm. So here's my goal. And Tim, yeah, you and I share this. Divisive. You know, and, and unfortunately, the rhetoric around yeah, this, particularly from the more liberal side, mm-hmm. is, is much more harsh. Um, but then again, the conservatives are throwing it just as hard in, mm-hmm. in different ways. But um, here's my desire. Forget about what I think for a moment. Our desire, very simply, is to articulate God's heart as revealed through Scripture, contextualized for this culture. Right. That is a hard job, by the way. Um, trying to discern God's heart through the lens of Scripture and apply that to an ever-changing culture. Mm-hmm. And so what we try to do here is take biblical principles and have a, a nuanced, in-depth theology of what God's Word reveals and to articulate what we think God would want based on His Word. Right. And that's what we call yeah. a biblical worldview. Totally. Now, let me just speak okay. personally, okay? On a personal level, okay? It would My life would be way easier if we could just look at everybody and say, do what you want as long as it doesn't hurt or anybody else. Like, that would be mm-hmm. easy, Right. People will say to me, Michael, what do you believe? And I always say, what I believe is irrelevant, right? I have committed my life not to doing what I think is right, but to aligning my life with God's word and the principles that are revealed in scripture that reveal his heart. I want my heart to be aligned with his heart. And there are so many times where I don't totally, because of my cultural context, get it, but I'm going to obey anyways. Mm Because culture shifts like sand, man. It's, it, every right. every couple of years, it's different. But God's word is unchanging, and so I want to I want to base my life in something that is unchanging, not in something that is constantly moving left and right and up and down and backwards and mm-hmm. forwards. So as I say that, um, you know, I, I my hope is that our audience could grow in grace and allow us to be where we're at as a church and um, love us no matter what. And so um, let me let me be really clear um, about what the Bible communicates about gender and gender expression. Gender expressions should follow a person's biology. There you go. Right? But I'm not done. If you just stop there, Mm -hmm. the audience is going to fill this in with a bunch of gaps that I I probably won't agree with how they're interpreting what I'm going to say and then how they're going to apply it. So gender expressions should follow a person's biology and culturally understood expressions of said biology that do not contradict other biblical principles. Let me just say that again so okay, our audience can... Okay, say it can, again, and then we'll break it down and explain it. Gender expressions should follow a person's biology and culturally understood expressions of said gender that do not contradict other biblical principles. So, for example, Mm -hmm. um, if you are a biological male, um, the Bible in total communicates that you are called to live according to the biblical principles of what that gender is called to do. And on top of some of the cultural expectations of that gender. So, for example, in the Bible, um, men are at their best when they are leading, providing, and protecting someone else of great value. That's okay? right. Um, how that looks, how that plays itself out, that looks very different for a um, five-year-old boy who's learning to be a man than it does for an adolescent, than it does for a married man, than it does for a 40-year-old single. Mm-hmm. But like, there's something about men in general, and it does not mean that women do not lead, provide, and protect, because meet my wife and sure any other mom do. on the planet. They're leading, providing, protecting. I'm not saying they don't, so stop saying I'm saying things that I didn't say, audience. So, okay, good. Um, but there's something about a man, biblically speaking, that is created to thrive uniquely when he does these things mm-hmm. um, and it makes his manhood come alive. Something in, in terms of how God has wired him, it's like you're putting the right gas and the right oil with the right driver in the engine. Mm-hmm. It just kind of gets this thing ready to go in the right way. But then culture comes in and says, um, real men, um, we'll, we'll make up something here, real men sleep around. 
Well, no, that, that might be a cultural expression of manhood and how people understand it, that men go from girl to girl to girl or woman to woman mm-hmm. to woman, but that contradicts the Bible. That's so right. There the are Bible cultural, doesn't teach that. It teaches just the opposite. Totally. So there are cultural expect, expressions of masculinity that the Bible does not uphold. Right. Um, and so we want to make sure that we're not just blindly following culture. If it contradicts what the Bible says, then, then, then we need to be clear to say no. Right. But there is masculinity in the biblical principles, and then there are just general cultural expressions of that. And so um, culturally speaking, again, I, this is going to be crass and I don't mean to be offensive, but culturally speaking, men don't wear dresses. That's why men who, <laughs> who identify as women, they wear dresses because right. dresses are considered in this culture to in this be culture. feminine right. in how they do things. Mm-hmm. And every culture is different how they express masculinity and femininity. But that's why when a man identifies as a woman, he dresses as the female dress that's, gender. Yes. And what we're saying here is that your um, expressions of your gender should follow your biology so mm-hmm. you should seek to be masculine um but in a biblical way and then you should seek to express that in ways that are culturally we'll say clear okay right. um and again we just say culture to culture that shifts and changes mm-hmm. and it can't contradict the bible so um now that's not popular right but I, i'm gonna raise my son to be a man biblically right. i'm gonna teach him to lead provide mm-hmm. and protect i'm gonna teach him to do that at a young age and I'm going to teach him to express himself in cultural ways that communicate that he is a male, um, that communicate masculinity. That I'm not going to teach him chauvinism. Mm-mm, I'm not going to no. teach him patriarchy. I'm not going to teach him oppression. I'm going to teach him actual gentleness, kindness, how to shepherd a woman's soul, yes. how to care for people, how to serve people, how to handle God's word, how to protect. Right? These are the things that I want to teach him, and he's going to do that in a way we're, we're going to put clothes on him and, and, and teach him how to use his mannerisms in ways that are going to communicate more masculine features because he is a male bio, biologically. That is the way God has assigned him. And now we want him to be masculine in his expression of that in the parameters of his, we'll say his personality mm-hmm. and in cultural expectations of things that and are it, in our control. Yeah, and the same is true with your girls, your daughters. Absolutely. You're, you're, you're going to dress your daughters like little girls. Yep. You're going to teach them how little girls behave. Yep. You're going to teach them what the Bible says about being a little girl. Yep. And so when they grow up, they become wonderful young ladies. Yep. So they're going to be biblical women in the sense that they're going to learn from our teaching and training what a biblical woman is. Um, and then they're going to learn to express themselves in ways that are more feminine, culturally speaking. Right. Now, I get it. If you're liberal and if you if you if you are like, oh, man, these conservative Christians are complete morons. You hate me right now. Mm-hmm. You think I'm a closed minded bigot. Right. I, my prayer is that you could understand that this has been the approach of America and humanity from culture to culture for the last, oh, say, few millennia. Yes. Right. And so may. If all of human history is bigoted and narrow-minded, sure. Um, but these aren't new ideas. Um, no. These are actually just old ideas that seem irrelevant now because of new ideas that are seeming to take over with ferocity in the culture at large. Um, and, and so, you know, big picture here, here's what I want, I want to say is that um, this is getting harder and harder as culture is blurring the lines of gender. I don't mm-hmm. totally know how this is going to play out in 30 or 40 years. Right. All I know is right now, my little dude isn't wearing dresses and my girls aren't wearing suits. Right? And what, what, what is so crazy, what, you know, as we are talking about this, I'm just, you know, doing mm-hmm. the mental thing of history, you know, and I'm old enough to remember, you know, the 60s and 70s where women's lib and elevating women where, where the women felt very uh, oppressed mm-hmm. by men. Because they were. They were. 
men, men, their jobs, if a man and a woman did the same job, men always were paid, most often were paid more. Yeah, usually, yeah. And, and there was a natural uprising in our culture that women wanted equal uh, value. Mm-hmm. So that was the women's lib movement in the 60s and 70s. Which on the, on the one hand needed to happen. Needed to happen. Because of the oppressive patriarchy right. done in the name often of Judeo-Christian ethics and values. Which Judeo-Christian ethics and values do not oppress women. They enable and empower women to be who God has made them to be always. And then what what amazes me is during the late 70s, 80s, and 90s, there was this whole new uprising of gender differences. And science and biology and, and culture said, hey, we recognize there is value in the male sex and the women's sex, yep, yep. Uh, female sex. And and there the value of difference was elevated. Absolutely. Now in the 2000s and 2010 that this our culture now has blurred the lines that said not only is there value between the two sexes but there's value in uh, of the same mm-hmm. value yeah. of fluidity. being that fluidity you can now. go wherever you want land wherever yeah. you want doesn't and, matter and, and now the value is not that one is different than the other but they're both equal and they are the same. Yep. And as you express that um what you're communicating is the issue. Yeah, the culture, culture changes. changes constantly. And it's like, okay, well, what is it going to be in 10 years? In 10 years, the, the liberal progressive is going to be seen as a narrow-minded bigot, even though right now they are the cultural elite, if you That's will. That's right. And, th- and this is where what I'm trying to do is say, let's transcend um, cultural movements that are going left and right and up and down, and let's land on something that is historic and natural and biblical mm-hmm. and true. And that's where we say um, God assigns gender. That is clear. No human being chooses gender, right? No. God assigns it. And with that choice um, comes expectations that gender expressions would reveal the biology that God has assigned. Right. And that's just – that is a clear biblical ethic. That is a clear biblical principle that – you have to want – you can't have integrity when you approach the text of Scripture mm-hmm. and land in a different place. You have to basically say, no, that was for that time, and now there are new rules for this time. Yeah. So um, let, let's keep moving along here. So yeah. um, I've there there are a few reasons why there are separate bathrooms, okay? Um, now, there may be other, but I'm going to give the big the big three. Number one is – it's just modesty. There's something infused Basic in humanity modesty, that yes. says um, for a woman to be around naked around a man or urinating or going to the bathroom around a man or a man around a woman is unnatural. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's still ingrained into the human condition, and there is a God-infused modesty into the human condition. There are some things that are private, and there are some things that are public. Um, sex and sexuality – um, are private things. And That's, that is yes. just an intuitive thing, which is why the porn industry or PDAs, public displays of affection that kind of go over the top, make us uncomfortable because we're taking that which is intended to be private and we're publicizing mm-hmm. it. Um, so number number one is just this God-infused modesty inside the human soul that pop culture is trying to break down and really destroy and say, no, modesty is irrelevant. What is most important is is full expression of myself wherever, whenever, however yeah. I want. Number two is safety. Um, the reason there are different bathrooms is because men, statistically, this is undeniable, um, are more violent than mm-hmm. women. The majority of sexual attacks, the vast majority, are from men to women. Right. Most men probably wouldn't care if they had um, – 
same-sex bathrooms, right? Um, most women care because there's a general sense of vulnerability right. when they're going to the bathroom that not having men in the room mm-hmm. protects them from that. Um, and then finally, number number three is just generally sexuality because this is why we don't have shared showers. Um, we don't have shared bathrooms. It's because generally men are more sexually aroused in those physical experiences. The, the, the um, visual Visual expression. expe- expressions of those. Mm-hmm. So, and women get this. And so that's, I mean, those are the three biggies. I would say number four, when women are on dates and they want to go and talk about dudes and go to the bathroom and not have them listen, that could be like a fourth one, right? But <laughs> Yeah, they, they um, want their privacy to have their chit-chats. Yeah. So I, I have a lot of competing thoughts. So let's get to the answer. Should I shop at Target? We've dealt with some stuff. Uh, probably could have had like six podcasts on this, but that's fine. Um, so here's number one. You can, if you want to, not shop at Target. That won't change Target. Yeah, um, right. Maybe it will. Um, there, I think there are about a half a million signatures um, uh, of people resisting this. Target stock went down incredibly. I forget the numbers, but it was shocking mm. how much its stock went down in the aftermath of this. Uh, and I, I want to say uh, I have no issues with people boycotting Target. Um, uh, I want to say that you cannot legislate a heart change. No. So you got to ask the question, what is the goal of boycotting? Is the bo- mm-hmm. goal of boycotting to make a point? Okay. I love what Andy Stanley says. I would rather make a difference than make a point. Yes. Um, and uh, so, but boycotting is not unbiblical. You're allowed to do that as long as you're not a jerk in the process. Um, and so that's that's one big thing. And, and, and understanding, you know, even if we had a conservative government, the government cannot legislate hearts. Okay. No. You're not going to make people want to fall in love with Jesus just because you legislate morality. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, should the government legislate morality? I don't care what anybody says. Yes. Yes. I think we do it should. all the time. Yes. Don't steal. That's moral. Don't kill. That's moral. Mm-hmm. Um Everything that the government legislates is moral. It's just the question is whose morality and right. where are the lines of that morality yes. being drawn? And that's another podcast for another day. Um, and so um, here's what I want to say about the state. The state is God is a God ordained institution. And yet the church is not commissioned to run the state. Right. We have to keep these things different. Never is the church commissioned to take over the state. Mm-hmm. Um, we want the church to influence the state because what the state does is it creates laws that create culture that protect people. Yes. And so when you do have more conservative laws, you have more conservative behavior, which informs culture, which protects and restrains people. Government puts laws in place to restrain sin. Mm -hmm. And so we do, we want a Judeo-Christian ethic to influence our government. And if boycotting is a means to that end, then I say, go ahead and Mm -hmm. do it. Right. Right. Um, As long as we understand that we don't boycott out of anger, we boycott out of love. um, And you got to figure out how to handle that that tension. So, uh, I want to want to land and maybe some big picture ideas here. Satan hates the church and the family. Yes, hates them. Mm-hmm. Satan is given jurisdiction by God to be the prince of the power of the air, meaning he is the primary influencer of cultural trajectories and nations. Okay? Yes, it is not a surprise that the cultural trajectory and nations are collaborating and moving in more non-Christian directions. It's not an accident. We should expect that to some degree. Um, Satan, it is not a surprise, will use his place of influence to oppress globally the church and the family. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he hates these institutions because these two things, unique in all of creation, reveal God's nature, character, and heart for humanity. And in these institutions are primary areas of protection for humanity and development. So yes. when these two things in someone's life are broken or missing, chaos ensues mm-hmm. almost almost always. Um, the church 
has a different kind of influence. We don't influence directly nations and culture. We influence people. We make disciples of people. We are not about making movements. We're about making disciples who make movements. We're about inter interacting in people's lives. We're about interacting and changing people's lives through the power of the gospel. And the more people that come to Jesus Christ, the more culture is influenced. But we're not necessarily primarily always going right after culture. We're going after hearts. And the hearts of people happens through individuals hearing the gospel. And as more individuals hear the gospel and are transformed, movements are made. There and those you go. movements That's right. influence scripture. The idea that we're going to like change people's hearts by having a boycotting movement against Target, it doesn't work. Does it work? If you want to change people's hearts, um, sh we need to be personally evangelistic. That's right. And then we need to be a part of movements that are about changing people's hearts. Mm -hmm. So as I say that, I'm not going to give you a yes or a no. I'm going to say um, you need to stand before God in your own conscience. If you're going to boycott Target, that might be something that you just feel like you have to do. But if, but hear me, uh, if you're going to start boycotting, you got to know where to draw the line. Right. Because you'll be boycotting every, every single every institution single in your life from your bank to your where you buy groceries to where you go on vacation. At, at some point, um, you can't get away from, we'll say, the vast majority of corporations who own the vast majority of smaller corporations. Mm -hmm. And they're fundamentally liberal and funding liberal movements and values. So yes. you just got to be very careful. Should we shop at Target? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> a vague answer, but yeah, I... That's relevant. A balanced answer. No, thank you. Listeners, thanks for joining us today. Please come back next time when we answer the question, why does James 2.26 say that we're justified by works? <laughs> <laughs>